Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Seeking Refuge podcast. And uh, man, it's a good morning. And uh, Saturday, it's the weekend. And uh, I personally love it when I'm off on the weekends. It gives me a chance to get up and do Bible study and then share what I'm studying with you guys. So thank you for tuning in to the Seeking Refuge podcast. And uh, boy, it's good to be saved today. And it's good to have the divine truths of the Bible and uh, just something to make your heart glad this morning. It's a good way to start the day with a Bible open. And uh, <clears throat> so I just want to say this. Thank you for tuning in this morning. We're going to be talking about justification by faith and uh, what a, a, a big doctrine in the Bible that all believers really should make an effort to study on and understand. It'll help you in the way that you divide uh, the scriptures, and uh, it's just important important stuff to learn. It's good that we learn the Bible, and Jesus wants us to learn the Bible. So I'm excited to teach this this morning, and I hope you'll get a blessing out of it. So thanks again for tuning in. This is the Seeking Refuge podcast, where we seek refuge from the world in God's unchanging word. Remember Psalm chapter 91 verse 2 says, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for being our refuge. Thank you, Lord, for being our fortress. Thank you, God, for this morning. Thank you, God, for this Bible study. Lord, I ask that you help direct us in the lesson this morning, that we'll learn from it, that we'll be edified and enlightened. Lord, we need you. ask that you bless this morning and our devotional towards you. In Jesus' name, amen. I tell you what, it's good to turn to the Bible for hope, peace, and enlightenment during these very perilous times. Alright folks, let's get right into this study this morning because there's a lot to cover and I don't want to waste a lot of time. I want us to get the most out of this as we can. Turn, if you will, to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. Uh, we're going to start reading at verse 21, talking about justification by faith this morning. Romans chapter 3, look down to verse 21. I'll give you about five seconds here, and I'm going to begin to read. All right, Romans 3, starting at verse 21. The scripture reads this, But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say, at this time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. I tell you what, that's a 
that just seems like a lot to take in. That's a lot to chew on, but we're going to break it down this morning. We're going to talk about justification. We're going to talk about what it is. We're going to talk about some examples of it in the Bible. We're going to talk about the results of justification. I'm going to give you some Schofield summary notes on the topic that I happen to like a lot myself. And then I'm going to give you a brief history of justification. Many people believe that this doctrine, justification by faith, originates in the New Testament. I'm out to prove to you this morning that justification by faith has been God's uh, has been God's way of um, justifying man. He's been all through the Scripture. Actually, we're going to take it all the way back to uh, to Abel offering his sacrifice to God. Um, Basically, God has always justified man by man's faith, and man having faith in God has responded to God differently throughout the d different dispensations of the Bible. Um, so let's first, let's define, let's define the word justification. Um, it's a legal term, if you think about it. Uh, justification would imply a legal act. So um, we're going to define it this morning. Um, this is based on the Schofield definition, which I, I, you know, there's many ways of doing it. There's many ways people look at it. One, one popular, uh, saying, which I like and use myself is just as if I have never sinned. Um, and that's true when you've been justified by faith, it, it is in God's eyes. It is just as if you had never sinned to begin with. <clears throat> so, how does that take place? I mean, what exactly goes on for that to be accomplished? Well, there's a judicial act of God, whereby He justly declares righteous one who believes on Jesus Christ, and that is kind of a synopsis of what we got here in verses 21 through 28. I mean. Uh, it says here in verse 26, to declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. So you just look at that verse, according to this definition, God is righteous, he is righteousness, he is just, and he is the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. So we're talking about God the Father, because he's mentioning Jesus as uh, the son in this tense, we're looking at the two, we're looking at two different persons here. We're talking about his righteousness. That's God's righteousness. God is the just God who has justified those who believe on his son, Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? So the definition we're, we're going to go with this morning is the judicial act of God. God is the judge whereby he justly declares righteous one who believes on Jesus Christ. Now let's go back and look through here starting at verse 21. Romans 3.21 will break it down. But now, the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. So, Paul is explaining here, but now, and the reason he, he words that like that is because for some time, men were seeking to justify themselves through law-keeping, keeping of the commandments. Not necessarily just the Ten Commandments, but all, you know, I don't even remember how many there are, all 400 and something ordinances and statutes in the law that was given to Israel, okay? 
And so Paul is now addressing this fact here in Romans. Um, he's saying, but now the law keeping, the ordinances, the statutes, that is not going to make you righteous, righteous with God. And this is why the righteousness of God without the law is manifested. In other words, Jesus Christ is the righteousness of God. If you think about what he's saying here, the righteousness of God in this verse is not an attribute of God. It's not the changed character of the believer himself. It's actually Jesus Christ because Christ fully met in our place and on our behalf the demands of the law. Um, and so Jesus is, by the act of God, our imputation. In other words, the imputated righteousness. In other words, Christ's righteousness is placed on us because we believe on him. Let's look at one verse to kind of uh, put the emphasis on that. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 30. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30. I got pages sticking sticking together here. It says here, but of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So just think about what it says. Of God are we in Christ Jesus, <clears throat> who of God is made unto us. In other words, the act where Christ is made unto us wisdom, that's wisdom to understand the bible wisdom to understand the gospel it's like the difference between being lost and trying to read the bible and being saved and reading the bible is like the light bulb going off in our head and all of a sudden it starts to make sense christ is made unto us wisdom christ is made unto us righteousness christ is made into a sanctification that's being set apart for god's glory and Christ is made unto us redemption. Uh, the redemptive act of God in Christ is um, we needed to be redeemed from the penalty of our sin. We'll go into that in a second. Um, what, what an amazing thing. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that, right? And that's, that's a big amen to that. So, you know, we're talking about God has taken Jesus Christ's righteousness. Um, Jesus took our sin on himself at the cross and in exchange gave us his righteousness so that we would be declared righteous before God. And that is justification. Um, the believer in Christ by grace has been given a complete and blessed righteousness from Jesus Christ before God, the father. Okay. Let's go, go on a little bit further. It says here in verse 22, Romans three twenty-two. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. Let's stop there for one second. I think this is important to understand this too. I'm going to give you something I learned reading uh, One Book Rightly Divided um, by Dr. Uh, Stoffer and Ray. Uh, pointed something out in one of their chapters i don't remember exactly where but i've kind of i've kind of latched onto it because it, it really does make sense of something we as human beings as people 
in the flesh. We have we 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 can have faith, but it's not a perfect faith. We can have that mustard seed of faith, and 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 yes, uh, we're justified by faith. We're saved by grace through faith, right? But Jesus Christ had a perfect faith. So while we can have a mustard seed of faith, we have the kind of faith that says, God, help my unbelief. Jesus Christ had a perfect faith. And uh, and that's an amazing thing. And so we, we have to understand the concept of, of this verse, of what that's saying. The righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ's faith is perfect. And so when we put our 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 minuscule faith on him what he does is his faith then manifest the exchange of us trading in our sin our failure our separations we're just going to him with what little bit we have and him in exchange is giving us everything it's the most uh unequal trade-off in the history of anything that's ever happened in the history of all things. Do you understand that? Like, we brought nothing to the table. We had nothing to offer. Even the little bit of faith that we have. First of all, it's a miracle if you even have that. Um, and, and in exchange, Jesus Christ, perfect faith, completed the perfect transaction whereby we were given his righteousness and it says here, the righteousness of God, which is by the faith of Jesus Christ, is unto all and upon all them that believe. It's given to all and it's placed upon all who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen to this. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now part of this is an explanation that there would be no difference between Jew and Gentile. There would be no difference between the ones who kept the law and the commandments and the ones who never had been given the law and the commandments. Okay? That was the difference between Gentiles and Jews. We understand that? Paul's explaining the Jews, even having the law and the commandments, have sinned, just like the Gentiles, having not been given the law and commandments, have sinned. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's no difference. Verse 24, being justified freely... By his grace, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Um, redemption is deliverance by paying a price, okay? We were held captive and in bondage under the law because of sin. Jesus delivered us by paying a price. The price that he paid was his life. He suffered on the cross and was crucified. Um, there's multiple examples of this. Um, but I don't want to sidetrack on that. That's kind of the basis summary. Um, we got to think about sin for a second. All of sin and come short of the glory of God. Sin is um, can be covered in, in a lot of different ways. Uh, sin is doing what we know we're not supposed to do. Sin is doing something wrong even if we don't know um, that it's wrong to do it. Okay? Sin is not doing what we know that we're supposed to do. So you have sins of omission, sins of commission. Um, it's missing the mark. It's a failure to meet a divine standard. 
Um, it's a trespass. It's a lawlessness. Unbelief is a sin. Um, hold on. Excuse me one second. That's the blessing of doing your podcast in your bedroom in the morning. If you have children, uh, they will find the most convenient time to come and and distract you, and that's okay. Got to love our love our kids, and and uh, but we'll keep moving on here. So sorry for that. But so these are are, are the different sins, um, and all of us are guilty of something. Okay, um, man, sometimes I feel like uh, some of us that you know I I have sensed that some of us that grew up in church. <clears throat> have developed a false sense of righteousness that because we were always in Sunday school and because our parents were in church or maybe dad was a preacher we never really did anything wrong we never really went into a sinful lifestyle sometimes we have a false sense of security in those things we need to understand that at some point all of the things that encompass what sin is at some point we fail to meet a divine standard and it only takes that one act of sin to keep us out of heaven. So we have to be justified. We have to seek justification. That justification only comes through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, So we'll keep moving on here. Justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness, for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Now, propitiation um, through faith by His blood, and what this is is really talking about a, propi- a propitiatory sacrifice, if you will. That is um, basically, I'm trying to find a good way to put it. Um. It points to the fact that Christ's sacrifice was sufficient to cover all sins. Um, it points to the fact that uh, he's just he's just in justifying sinners under this covenant. Um, and it ta- and basically that points to okay, so our sin has angered God, and so there's the wrath of God, and there's the vengeance of God towards sin, which we deserve, but Jesus Christ took that. He was our propitiation. In other words, he deflected the wrath of God um, towards us. He deflected it from us onto himself. We need to understand the cross was a brutality, all right? It wasn't a sweet thing. I mean, he was mocked, scourged, spit on, beaten, crowned with thorns, and he was unrecognizable, he was nailed to a cross, he suffered, and the, and, and the death on the cross itself was an anguishing suffering, it was the full wrath of God towards sin, and he took it in our place, and it was a sufficient sacrifice, it was a completed sacrifice, it was a perfect sacrifice, and it was perfect enough to meet and satisfy uh, God's wrath for all sins that had ever been committed from the very beginning in the garden to the very end when 
um, this whole thing with God is concluded with a new heaven and new earth. Amen. So that's what we're looking at with that term. That's what it's talking about. Um, and through faith in, in how does that happen? Through faith in his blood. He shed his blood. You cannot take the blood out of the crucifixion. You cannot take the blood sacrifice of Christ out of the gospel. Just like you couldn't take the necessity of blood being shed under the Old Testament covenant with animal sacrifice. You cannot take blood out of the fact that it was shed all the way back with Abel's sacrifice. Blood was shed when God clothed Adam and Eve with coats and skins. It has always been the way God dealt with sin. Blood has always been required. Without it, there is no remission of sin. And that's why this verse points to the fact that through faith in the blood of Jesus Christ, to declare his righteousness, the righteousness of Christ, for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Verse 26, to declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just, and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. We've covered that a little bit. He then goes on to say, Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. It's very clear that we are not um, saved by works. It's very clear that we are given no, no, no place <clears throat> for boasting. We're not better than anyone else. We are only saved through faith. And then we get to verse 28. Where, therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. So now, let's kind of get into uh, a little bit of this um, summary, if you will. And we're going to have some more, some more verses to look at. And uh, so get your pen and paper ready. But so take notes on, on this summary, if you will. A lot of this is out of the Schofield Bible. Then we're going to look at a couple other uh, instances of the justification. Then we'll give some examples and we'll go into a brief history of it. But justification and righteousness, as we have found in this scripture, is, is inseparable. All right, So we see the words being used together quite a bit. Um, being justified is being declared righteous, uh, righteous by God. So you can't separate the two. Um, they're united in scripture also by the fact that the same word in Greek is used for both. Um, righteousness and to justify. So it's the same Greek word used, in uh, used for both. Basically what's happened is the believing sinner, we're all sinners, we've established that, but the sinner who believes on the sacrificial work of Jesus Christ, the completed work of Christ on the cross, the fact that he was buried and on the third day rose again, according to the scripture, did that on our behalf. Jesus Christ came to save sinners. Um, Jesus Christ came to seek and save that which is lost. Think about this. The believing sinner is justified because Christ, having borne his sins on the cross, has been made unto him righteousness, as we talked about in 1 Corinthians chapter 130. Justification originates in grace. Go back to verse 24 of Romans 3, being justified freely by his grace. You see the origin, the origin of justification is the grace of God himself. I'll give you another uh, verse to look at with that. Titus chapter 3, look at verses 4 and 5. Let's go to Titus chapter 3. Verse 4 and 
verses 4 and 5 says this, But after that, the kindness and the love of God our Savior towards man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. So, you see how that works there? Now, um, it it's originates in grace. It is through the redemptive and propitiatory work of Christ who has vindicated the law, which we talked about in verses 24 and 25. But also look over at Romans chapter 5 and look at verse 9. Uh, actually, we'll go... Um, man, it's so hard to go into Romans and not just start reading whole chapters. Look at verse 8 instead. We'll go verse 8 and 9. It says, But God commendeth his love towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Justified how? By his blood. <clears throat> what, what is the importance of the blood? The blood of Christ being shed shows that the full wrath of God towards sin was carried out on him on the cross. Okay, so he's vindicated the law. Uh, we found that justification is by faith, not works. Um, write these down, Galatians 2.16, Galatians 3.8 and 24. And we'll go quickly to Galatians This is the whole point of a good Bible study, is flipping through your Bible. Learning all the different scriptures, different books of the Bible, and their benefit to us as believers. I'm just going to stick with uh, Galatians 2, and, and I'll read verse 16 here. And it says, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ, and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners, is, there, is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. Um, so, we got to understand, it... Again, we see this wording, it is the faith of Jesus Christ. It's the fact that Christ came and did the perfection on our behalf because we could not do it. Even his faith, being perfect in the Father, is what completed the requirements of man in order to please God. That's why the Bible says, without faith it is impossible to please him, for he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Do we understand that? So... Justification originating in grace through the redemptive and propitiatory work of Christ who's vindicated the law. It is by faith. It is not by works. Um, and as we defined it before, it is the judicial act of God where he justly declares righteous one who believes on Jesus Christ. It is the judge himself who thus declares the justified believer has been in court only to learn that nothing is laid to his charge. Now, I kind of want to point something out with that. You have to think about it like this. In the criminal court system, justification by faith, it would work similar to this scenario I'm about to give you. So kind of picture yourself in this situation. You've committed a crime. That crime is called sin. You've been convicted of it. 
and you're awaiting sentencing. It's not that you weren't convicted of the crime. You were already convicted of the crime. And you were already being held held in, in, in jail awaiting sentencing. You've already been condemned because you were convicted. You're then taken before the judge in court because of your sentencing days here. The act of justification is this. In the court system, once a sentence has been served, it can't be served a second time. It's, it's a once somebody's been been um, convicted, he can't be convicted twice. It's a double jeopardy. That's why our U.S. Constitution is fashioned after um, biblical principles, even in the criminal justice system. So you go before the court, and you find out that the sentence had already been executed, and that somebody had already been convicted of the crime in your place and so then the conviction is reversed and you're set free that is that is what justification is like if you were to use it in a term similar to our justice system and how would you feel if you knew you were condemned to a death sentence you came in and said and you you, you were bracing for it you knew you had done it you knew you were wrong you knew what you deserved and then instead you went home you went you, you were set free We've been set free because of what Jesus has done for us. Amen. Um, so let's uh, let's let's look at this. Um, kind of want to point a couple more things out with justification. One of the big things that um, believers struggle with is the difference between James, who makes this kind of a case that a believer is justified by works and then it gets confusing because it's like well wait a minute what about the justification by faith and so there's kind of two aspects of one truth now paul speaks of that which justifies man before god which is faith alone and that's wholly uh, apart from works but james speaks of proof of faith before men that he who professes to have a justifying faith um ought to have works supporting his statement that he has faith in God. In other words, it, it's not a, in other words, it don't we all wrestle with the fact that when someone says, "Well, I believe in God," but they don't live like it, do they have justifying faith? I mean, re, re, really what what is it that they believe? Because I mean, doesn't the Bible say that devils also believe? I mean, Satan believes in God, but he's condemned to hell. So it comes down to, you know, how do we as believers establish that we actually have faith and true faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Um, so basically, we understand that men cannot see faith except it be manifested through works. In other words... Understand that if you're a professing believer that says you have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the way you live is your testimony on that other people will see, which will bear witness that you do either have faith or that you don't really have faith. And that can do damage in your fellowships. But mo more importantly, it can be a deciding factor on whether or not you ever have the ability to lead another lost soul to Christ. So chew on that for a minute. Think about this. Christ died under our sins. 
He was raised and exalted to God's right hand, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Um, our sins are gone because of what Jesus has done. His work for us has the, has the divine um, approbation that we, for whom he suffered, are completely justified. Now let's uh, let's give you a few more verses on on the illustrations here that go along with the summaries I've given you. Go to Habakkuk chapter two verse four. Now that's back in Old Testament minor prophets area. A little bit hard to find. It's after Nahum. Nahum is after Micah. Micah is after Jonah. Habakkuk is right before Zephaniah which is right before Haggai, so I'm trying to give you a way to where you can flip through and find it. So Habakkuk chapter 2, look at verse 4. Um, it says here, Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. See that? It's pointing to you right there in Habakkuk. Now let's flip over to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13, verse 39. And by him all that believe are justified from all things from which ye could not be justified by the law of Moses. And that's a sermon being preached in the synagogue. Um, that was Paul addressing to the Jews that the laws that they're keeping that were given to Moses are not justifying them, especially now that Christ has been crucified, uh, buried, and resurrected. And so he's preaching the gospel to them. Remember, Paul was given the commission to preach first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. Go over to Romans chapter 1. <clears throat> Romans chapter 1, verse 17. It says this, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And then Galatians chapter 3, verse 11. By that, but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident, for the just shall live by faith. Justified by faith, amen. And, uh, so let's uh, let's do this now. Let me give you um, let me give you some results of justification. And I know that these fundamental doctrines will go long on the podcast a little bit because there's so much meat involved in the understanding. But here's some things that happen when we become justified believers. First and foremost, let's go to Romans chapter five, verse one. When we are justified by faith, we are given peace with God. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Look over in verse 2. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Because we're justified by faith, we have peace with God. Because we're justified by faith, um, we have access to God. Um, I want to give you this also. If you go into Ephesians, I'm just going to give you the entire book. That's your homework. Read Ephesians this week. In Ephesians, we learn two things about being justified by faith. We're given a new position. All right, We've been positionally sanctified. That means we've been set apart in order to glorify God. 
and we've been given a new state. That's a state of being regenerated by the Holy Ghost. We've been born again as believers. So we have peace with God. We have access to God. We've been positionally sanctified for God's purpose, and we've been given a regenerated, a new state, a born-again state, which is required in order for us to access heaven. All right, let me give you some examples now of, you know, acts of justification. The first one is a big one, and it's, uh, it's the easiest one to look at because it's right here in Romans for us. Go to Romans chapter 4. Abraham. It's just start. I'll just start here in verse 1. What shall we say then that Abraham our father, now Abraham the father of the Jews, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. See, Abraham was justified by faith. Um, he believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. It's talking about... When a, in this sense, it's talking about when the Jewish believer comes to the realization that Christ came, perfected the law, and therefore those legal ordinances and statutes, dietary restrictions, and the uh, um, obeisance to the seasons and the in the ceremonial law and all those things done away. He does not need to keep those in order to prove anything to anybody. Christ has already came. He does not need to do those works. All he has to do is believe on him that justified the ungodly. <clears throat> but we'll go on to learn something here. Write these verses down. In Romans chapter 4, look at verses 9 through 25. But also look at and read Genesis chapter 15. But understand this. Abraham believed God and therefore was justified. But Abraham's belief was put to the test and therefore his faith did come there there was some works that he did that proved his faith um and and i don't want us to lose sight of that and think about david he was forgiven of the great sins of adultery and murder think about second samuel in chapters 11 and 12 however if we look at here verse uh what does it say here? Verse 5, But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness, even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Remember what David did? Adultery, murder. But he's been forgiven by the imputation of righteousness that, again, we covered already is because of Christ's perfection. God took the righteousness of Christ and placed it on us because we believe, and it was with, without works. You want to see David's disposition towards God as a, as a result of his sin and justification? Write these chapters down, Psalm chapter 32 and Psalm chapter 51. Um now think about this. This is one too. We'll go to Hebrews chapter 11 and we're about to finish this study up. I thought that this is an amazing thing. And I shared this with a few people. Because I caught this. 
Um, this really is something to think about. In Romans chap, uh, in Hebrews chapter eleven, verse thirty-two, <clears throat> you'll look here and you'll notice Samson's name is mentioned. And think about that as an example. Samson disobeyed his parents, was constantly rebellious, went after all the women that his parents told him not to go after. Furthermore, he went after the women that God told him not to go after. He breached his separation. Uh, he defiled his sanctification. And then, because of his disobedience, he got himself in trouble and died in a vengeful act of suicide. That was Samson's life. But he's mentioned here as a hero of faith. Now, if that doesn't show the act of justification, now, if you go back there in the story of Samson, what you'll learn is he demonstrated evidence of faith <clears throat> because he prayed, he declared God righteous, he confessed his sin, and then he asked for God's help. And so, for that dispensational time period that Samson lived in, he did show the evidence of faith. And that's why I believe his name's mentioned there. But if we look at, uh, you know, a history of um, justification, Hebrews chapter 11 is a great place to look at that. Uh, it says here in verse 1, Hebrews chapter 11, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. <clears throat> Excuse me, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Everything began with God. Now look at what, what, what's happened because of faith. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. Um, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. <clears throat> you know, there's two kinds of people trying to please God today. There's the people relying on what God has provided and relying on the fact that Christ came and is the sacrificial lamb to take away the sins of the world, trusting in the sacrifice of Christ and having faith in God's way of saving man, like Abel. And then there's the people like Cain, who believe that their good works and what they're doing and how good they are and all the things that they do are somehow making God happy with them. Um, but Cain's was rejected and Abel's was accepted. If you're relying on your own works, your own good merit, and the things that you're doing to, to be justified, you'll be rejected. But if you'll trust in the sacrificial offering of Christ, you'll be accepted. By faith, this is verse 5, Enoch was translated. That means he basically that's the same equivalent of being raptured. He was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You need to first believe God. Then you go to God. God, by the Holy Spirit, will draw you to the Son, Jesus Christ, so that you can see 
that he provided a way for you to access him by delivering his son to the cross in your place. And when you come to the understanding of the gospel, then you understand what God wants from you. You accept Christ and now you yourself are translated from death unto life. The old person passes away, you've become new. You've been born again. You've been regenerated. You've been justified. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. You see, Noah, God told him there was going to be a flood. Noah believed. But his belief wasn't just like, okay, God, I believe. No, he had faith. And his faith then led him to build the ark. You see, you see, faith produces an action in return because we're responding to God. Um, and, and in all portions of the Bible, in every dispensation, faith has led man to respond to God in a different way. Abraham, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after <clears throat> receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whether he was going. By faith, Abraham went out into a land he knew nothing about because God told him to. Um, through faith, Sarah herself received strength to conceive and deliver a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful. Who faithful? God faithful, who had promised. Um, and then there's just even more examples by faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. Go down to verse 20. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both sons of Joseph. Um, by faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel. By faith, Moses um, you know, hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a, a proper child. They, they wanted to make sure they preserved his life. Um, by faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Um, faith prompted Moses to do something. I, and, and just keep going through the list here. Rahab the harlot at the walls of Jericho. Faith, when the spies came, she wanted to make sure they got away. And also asked that she be saved when the city was destroyed. Um, Israel itself had faith in God when they agreed to keep the commandments of God and the law of God. So faith is, has always been the justifying principle. And man having faith has always responded to God accordingly. So now in this current dispensation, we know that we're to have faith in, in the finished works of Christ. However, there are instructions to the Christian in the Bible what we're supposed to do once we've gotten saved. And so, I challenge somebody today to really talk to God, if so be it that you have faith. If you've gotten saved but you have no desire to go to church, you have no desire to fellowship with believers, you have no desire to study the Bible, you have no desire to pray, um, you're embarrassed to be identified as a Christian, you don't want people to know about that, it's personal, uh, you don't want your job to know about it, you're ashamed of it basically, 
Do you really have saving faith? Do you really have justifying faith? Are you really justified? Those are things that you need to ask because there's instructions to us in the Bible, and I can't go into all those today, but one of the first things that should happen with a believer when you've gotten saved, a desire to be baptized. A second thing that happens, a desire to fellowship with other believers. The third thing that should happen, a desire to have a prayer life and a desire to understand the Bible. Um, and just those four simple things will plant you in a good Bible preaching and teaching church and have you begin to learn under other mature Christians. And by doing these things, you're giving a testimony to the world around you that you do believe in Christ, what you have is real, and you'd like for them to find the same blessedness that you have. As David said, Blesses the man who God will not impute sin. What a great thing it is to be justified by faith. And that's the study this morning. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned a lot from it. And I hope it will help you in your Christian life. See you next time on the Seeking Refuge podcast.